0: Hello, and welcome to Dwelling on Dreams, where two passionate Harry Potter fans dive deep to examine the Wizarding World. I'm Taylor, a Ravenclaw.
1: And I'm Victoria, a Hufflepuff. Thank you for joining us. For those of you who haven't read the books or seen the movies yet, what are you doing listening to us? Please, go and do that now, because if you stick around, you can
0: expect spoilers ahead. Today on Dwelling on Dreams, we are celebrating two birthdays. First of all, Sybil Trelawney, who is our favorite ridiculous professor. Uh, she <laughs> is somewhere in her late 50s, early 60s. You don't have an actual date, but she uh, had her birthday on Monday. So mm-hmm. happy birthday, Trelawney. I, I, <laughs> in all I, of your eccentricities. Yes, that's a good word. Yes. I just uh, did a blog post on Sears, and she came up a lot since she's really the only example we have. Mm-hmm. And just some of the stupid things she said. <laughs> I, I just in reviewing specifically like her quotes and her her mannerisms. I hadn't done a deep dive into her before, and regret. <laughs> yes, <laughs> regret looms heavy. But yeah, she is somewhat of a sympathetic character though, because when she is faced with the idea of being thrown out of Hogwarts, you realize that she really doesn't have anywhere else to go. She doesn't have anybody to fall back on. She's Pretending to be a seer, which is pretty much all she's got. And she's a seer, sort of, sometimes.
1: <laughs>
0: Twice. Twice. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, and we are also celebrating Remus Lubin's birthday this week. His birthday actually was yesterday. So he is going to be about 60, I think. Yes, yes all of them are turning 60 a- this yeah. year, if they yeah. were not fictional and alive.
0: All of the older generation is turning 60 this year. All of like Harry's class is turning 40. Well, that was well laid out and planned. Yes. Almost like she wrote it in a book. <laughs> yes. But in celebration of Remus's birthday, we are going to be highlighting his character and doing a deep dive into kind of what makes him tick dun, dun, today. Dun. We have brushed on this in the past. Mm-hmm. Briefly. Yes. And we've had some strong and controversial opinions among <laughs> other people and each other. And I'm going to preface my comments by saying I'll probably be playing a little bit of the devil's advocate in this episode I okay. probably am going to express some opinions more strongly than I necessarily feel them
1: everybody be prepared
0: yes but I think it makes sense for us to kind of go into Remus's background and childhood because it does explain a lot about his character I feel
1: I think it does too I mean
0: so his dad was a pureblood correct and his mother was his mother was a, a ha- muggle muggle I don't think we know if his father was a pureblood or half blood or muggle born And there's, if you're interested in their relationship, there's a nice little summary of how they met and, you know, their early courtship and all that on... Pottermore. Well, Wizarding World, because Pottermore
1: is dead. (sighs) I still am, will always and forevermore refer to it as Pottermore, though, because that's just
0: snappier. It's differentiating. Wizarding World could mean anything. Yeah. So, yes, in the Remus Lupin entry, there is a little explanation of how they met and how they came to be married. But his father was an expert in hold on let me get Mm. this right it's
1: poltergeists and yeah apparition
0: non-human spiritist apparitions
1: so which actually comes into play very much when remus is teaching defense against the dark arts especially for the lessons that he teaches our third year
0: yeah and actually boggart's played a large role in his parents meeting so Mm -hmm. that might have been something of a yeah romantic in remus
1: I never thought of a boggart as being somewhat of a leading to a romantic encounter. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not something I think of at all, but apparently Mm. so. It can happen.
0: Yes. Miracles happen. If you're super curious as to how how you can win a girl by saving her from a boggart, or pretending to anyway, because boggarts aren't dangerous, (laughs) (laughs) uh, go go to this uh, WizardingWorld.com. Anyway, so because he was an expert in these things, he was drafted, not literally, but asked to join the ministry during Voldemort's rise when things were starting to go wrong, especially with creatures. He's asked to join the Department of the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. Mm -hmm. And he was a bit of a bigot as far as werewolves go. A bit? Yes. He made some unfortunate comments in front of Fenrir Greyback, Mm -hmm. who at that time no one knew who he was. He managed to convince the ministry that he was just a muggle tramp Mm -hmm. who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But lupin senior realized what he was and tried to convince his colleagues not to let him go so first of all i mean he was right Mm -hmm. i have some sympathy for him in this part of the story because he was right and it would make me mad too if i knew i was right and they were about to let a werewolf who just killed a bunch of kids go yes (laughs) yes but i i do understand
1: that i i think you know especially when people get angry they're
0: Words tend to slip a bit. Yeah, what's that? Um, I mean, I'm not excusing from it. Pride and Prejudice but that uh, angry people are not always wise, and certainly bigoted angry people <laughs> are. Yes, not ever wise. <laughs> no. So uh, he yeah. described werewolves as soulless, evil, and deserving nothing but death. Yes. So he gets kicked out of the room,
1: and they end up letting back go.
0: Yes, so those were idiots, by the way. Yes, who, extreme. The full moon was literally the next night They could have just held him for a night to verify or not verify what yeah. their colleague said. I mean, said.
1: yes, I do understand. That would be extremely frustrating.
0: As someone who has like gone and gotten dictionaries to prove my point before, yes. when people are <laughs> laughing at me, like I, I get it, but you don't say things like that about a whole group. You don't generalize like that about a whole group right. of people. Right, um, So And he did come to regret it.
1: Very much so. Yes. Because then... Greyback came, and he attacked his four-year-old son, baby Remus
0: Lupin. Yes, and while Lupin Sr. got there in time to save Remus, because it was attempted it murder, yeah, he was not able to, to stop him from being infected, obviously. You know, defined the rest of Remus' life. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he doesn't even remember much before he was a werewolf. Right,
1: but we're told that he was a very
0: happy, well-adjusted child, magically gifted, even at an early age. Right, but he didn't have a lot of friends because his parents chose to try to hide his condition. Again,
1: wizarding children don't really go to school.
0: Right, and his parents did kind of flee from town to town. Every time someone kind of started to look at Remus funny, they'd leave. So he had a very nomadic lifestyle, Mm -hmm. never really putting down roots, never really being able to play with other children because they were afraid that he'd be found out. Mm -hmm. Which is why when he had the chance to go to Hogwarts, he was so excited because he'd finally be able to be with kids his own age. I mean, makes a lot of sense. And, you know,
1: Dumbledore assured his parents, you know, they made special arrangements and allowances for Remus to go to school with the Shrieking Shack and putting him away from everybody else on those nights.
0: And, you know, it probably explains a lot of why he was willing to go along with his friends when he knew it was a terrible idea when Mm -hmm. they decided to to leave because he had spent his entire life stifled and being kind of shunted away because of this disease. Mm -hmm. So when they had this idea, again, he knew it was a bad idea.
1: You mean when they became Animagus? Yes. Okay, yes. I was thinking more with the bullying. No, 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 Because Remus, I mean, from all that we really kind of have insight back into, he was definitely one of the more pragmatic, level-headed ones of the group, but he definitely was not the one to speak up and to tell them that they were doing something that was wrong if he had issues with it.
0: He was desperate for approval and that friendship, he was hungry and thirsty for that companionship that he'd never had before. So actually there's an interesting sentence in this, what is the New World article about? It made him less brave. It was, he was the conscience, but he was a little bit of faulty one because Mm -hmm. of that kind of character weakness where he, he just needed their approval desperately. And so then he didn't, he didn't stand up to them nearly Mm -hmm. as much as he knew he should have. That's the Mm -hmm. thing. Remus always knows what he should be doing. Right. Okay, um, I shouldn't say always, because there's sometimes I think he genuinely thinks he's making the right call, but really he's just being Remus. We'll get into that in a
1: minute. We'll get into that in a minute. We're, yes, that we a minute. We're doing Let's backstory right now, Taylor. <laughs> right, that's right. Okay, backstory. sorry. So during Hogwarts, he gets sorted into Gryffindor with James Potter, Sirius Black, Peter Pettigrew.
0: Right. He is really befriends James and Sirius and kind of starts to kind of depend on them for friendship. Right. And like and we then, talked
1: last week, Peter's there.
0: Right. Apparently, according again. Guys, read this article if you're curious about Remus, because it gives a lot of good information. <laughs> he apparently kind of was the one who bridged that gap, who kind of made, insisted, not insisted, I'm sure, but mm-hmm. who brought him along, who kind of made him part of the group, because mm-hmm. he is the more I mean, uh, he was kind. sensitive to outcasts, yeah. because he himself really wouldn't be one if people found out his secret, he right. thought. So the four of them you know, became close, and then in their second year, James, Sirius, and Peter found out about his condition and remus expected them to shun him because again remus is remus but this is he's young and it's more justifiable i feel like at this stage of his life <laughs> that he has, is very insecure very you know expecting the other shoe to drop all the time but they didn't they stuck with him they started to kind of trying to normalize it i guess and then they tried to become anna Maggie, and it took them three years but they did it but they did it which, I mean, it's, it's a feat in and of itself. And it's a long, complicated, hard process. So, Actually, my blog post from last week kind of goes into some of that. So if you're interested in the process and kind of what can go wrong, what needs to happen for it to go right, check it out. And then they convinced Remus, again, who knew that this was a bad idea but wanted to do it anyway, mm-hmm. to let them accompany him on the full moon mm-hmm. and leave the Shrieking Shack. And somehow managed to do all this without Dumbledore knowing. Dumbledore seems to know everything that goes on at his school. And we don't know if that's because he's just keeping such a close watch on Harry, and and therefore most other students actually fly under his radar. But it seems to, he's, Dumbledore himself thinks it's an incredible feat that they (laughs) became animei and then managed to like sneak under his nose out every full moon without him ever realizing it. I mean, they were
1: the Marauders, the original Fred George Weasley and Golden Trio combined practically. But Remus is definitely like the bookish quiet-ish one of -hmm. the group we don't really see much like quote quote redemption or anything for the marauders in their school years until like maybe the very end when james and lily are getting together you know
0: but even then no one really seems apologetic about it no when harry confronts remus and serious about how they behaved they seem to think it's kind of like a oh fond memories good Mm -hmm. laughs yeah nothing wrong with what we
1: did we did what we did and it was
0: justified yeah Even if they don't say it's justified, it's they. That's their attitude. Yeah, it's just kind of like they, you know, yeah, probably we shouldn't have done it, but boys will be boys. And Snape gave as good as he got, which is probably somewhat true. Mm -hmm. Still four-on-one. And and then he's talking about when James started dating Lily, he just kind of started hiding it better, which is not great. (laughs) Yeah. So... Yay! We don't know much about the Marauders between when they graduated and when D-Day happened. So, it's possible, and I would assume probably true, that they did grow up some. They were fighting a war at that point. James got married. He had a kid. Presumably. I mean, we know that Remus, he was on assignment for a lot. He was gone. Yeah. For a lot of it. He was gone. I'm I, This isn't a thing, but I'm just going to, to own it. He was gone on D-Day. He was in the North. Yeah. And he, when he found out about James and Sirius and Pettigrew and lily and harry and all of them when everything went so terribly wrong he wasn't there mm-hmm. and again we don't know much about what he was doing or we knew he was, he was doing on an assignment for dumbledore
1: yeah i mean to me it's kind of telling that they didn't really consider him for secret keeper
0: well it's explicitly stated that they suspected him as right the right like they
1: what i think due to the fact that he was with either the enemy distant so or he was with the enemy in some kind of way so much and We're not really 100% sure, like we said, what exactly his assignment was. But yeah, they definitely suspected him way more than Peter or anybody else about being the mole.
0: Yeah, and I think part of that, this goes back a little bit to the last episode, but I think part of their trust in Peter was underestimating and overlooking him. Mm -hmm. It wasn't so much that a positive, oh, Peter's great. It was a, Peter's always... Peter can't do it. Peter can't do it. Peter just kind of accepting and and expecting and taking for granted that he'd always be on their side because he's Peter and mm-hmm. they're them. Mm-hmm. So after the world falls apart from mm. Remus, which is devastating, obviously. Yeah. that's He was desperate for approval, he was desperate for friendship, and then he lost all of them all at once. Um, I mean,
1: that was completely dramatic for him. Yeah. That was his family, that was everybody. Right. And
0: they're all gone. His father's still alive, though, and it explicitly states in this Wizarding World article... That he stays away from him to keep him safe. And this is really, I think, where his self-loathing and mopiness, if you will, starts to kind of take over Remus. (laughs) Because there's no reason he couldn't have lived with his dad. No. The war was over. This is that his dad actually was really happy. I think a lot of times
1: I see where people are like, oh, no, his dad was a bigot to his son and didn't want to see him. And well, I mean, this is coming from JK. He loves says him. that, yeah, his father loves him and was always happy to see him. And Remus was the one that didn't want to endanger his father and thought he would be a burden.
0: And that's really, again, these tendencies lasted the rest of his life, honestly. Mm-hmm. And the, his friends in the order, which he had them. And I'm sure that they were good people, but they kind of, once the war was over, went back to their own lives. Mm-hmm. They weren't no reason really to get together anymore. And Remus was not nearly as close with any of them as he had been with others. So he didn't really build those relationships out enough to survive. the war. Right.
1: And he was living, I mean, he was living hand to mouth. He was living again, back to that nomadic kind of roots. That was what he knew for the real world. And that's what he went back to. And he, like it says, he took jobs that were far below his level of ability because he knew he'd have to leave them. Right. Because he would, get sick and people would start to question and just, you know, easy jobs that he could pack up and go really quickly. So I'm sure that didn't leave him much money for traveling.
0: Yeah. But here's where I really start having a problem with Lupin. The Marauders, including Remus, were inventive.
1: They They were larger than life. But in my mind, actually, honestly, that's more James and
0: Sirius. I know, but it wasn't just James and Sirius. It wasn't like Remus was none of those things. He had... Oh, I he think he was
1: very fi- inventive, but I don't think he was very out there and wow and woo and hey, we're the ones laughing. We're the ones pulling all the prank. I, th- I see him thinking up things in the background and but
0: that's, that's, researching. That's what I'm saying, though. He could he could have figured out a better solution for himself if he'd wanted to, if he had he'd any sort to. of motivation. But
1: I think, honestly, he was probably, I mean, because at the time, you know, for years, he thought Sirius was the one that betrayed them all. I think it just knocked him back so much.
0: But then he stayed there for like 12 years. Yeah. It's kind of, yes, I would expect him to grieve and to take time to, to he'd been betrayed by his friends. His other friends were dead. But I, I can't pity a man who willingly just kind of accepts a lesser lot in life, terrible lot in life mm-hmm. when he, I know he could have done better. I know he could have figured out something even, yes, he had, he was a werewolf and that would have put up barriers, but there are ways around it and he could have figured out ways around it if he'd wanted to. And he This is my word of the day, guys. ready? Oh, no. He became, I believe, shortly after their deaths. Entirely anhedonic.
1: Oh. Yes.
0: I only know that word because of how I met your mother. So don't get too excited. Oh, I was. I was like, oh, that's a T-level word here. No, yes. It means like incapable of enjoying anything. I don't know if it was something that he... Was developing slowly over time. If it just he never gotten out of that kind of funk, if you will, of his childhood and, and needing that approval. But literally everything that happens to him, he is incapable of taking enjoyment and joy and seeking out any sort of satisfaction for himself. Mm-hmm. His job, his dad, at the stage of his life. Yeah, it's his self self punishment. Yes, for, for not really seeing nothing. it. For
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I think he takes a lot more on himself mentally than he's responsible for, should have done all that. I think it's like the ultimate funk. He just couldn't pull himself out to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So about 12 years go by here. Yeah. We come upon Harry's third year, mm-hmm. and uh, we, we know the curse of the DADA professor. Something happens, and they get fired, or they, yeah. Usually they go something bad.
0: commit to a mental institution. Yeah. <laughs> get locked in their own trunk. Yeah. It's never like a good thing. They don't retire to, you know, the beach. But... <laughs> They don't all die.
1: They don't all die. So Dumbledore offers Remus the position. And, you know, are we really 100% sure why Dumbledore did it? No. We've
0: talked about it before. We've talked
1: about it a little bit, yes. I mean, part of it is Sirius Black is on the loose. Mm -hmm. And I think Dumbledore wants somebody who knows Sirius around because, I mean, he still thinks that Sirius was the traitor. Everybody does. So, you know, I think he wanted somebody familiar with him enough around to know if he was coming to the school or to... I think, honestly, he felt a little sorry for him, but I don't think it was enough to have offered him the position before. Three, Jacob Rowling needed to introduce Remus into the series, so <laughs> that's probably actually the more accurate one. You know, for he was technically qualified, I do think. I mean, he, he was a prefect. He got really good marks in Hogwarts when he was a student there. He, like we said, his dad was very skilled with apparitions. He had the knowledge to come in and be a professor of the subject. And he did a very good job of it. Right. He's, you know, mentioned even later in the series about he was, you know, one of their favorite professors, if not their favorite, especially their favorite DADA professor.
0: Stiff competition there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I know Snape just completely took away that trophy. Ruin the curve. (laughs) Ruin the curve. (laughs) They, they learned a lot from him and he was a great teacher. And he, I think actually found a lot of fulfillment in his job.
0: But I also think he kind of had a foot out the door the whole time.
1: Well, he knew. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you're coming into teach DADA, you know the curse. You know what's going on. You know you're only there for a year. Yeah. He was just waiting for someone to find him out or something yeah. to happen.
0: Yeah. He was very good at what he did. Of course, if one of the reasons that Dumbledore hired him was because Sirius was on the loose and he wanted someone. Oh, yeah. He was not him.
1: good with finding, finding that out.
0: Well, no, but in the... I kind of keep referencing this article, guys. There's so much information in there that's not in the books. She specifically says that Remus kind of suspected what was going on that Sirius right. was using his animagus, but that he was just again a, desperate a, a to be desperate, liked. Yeah, his desperate need for approval, even from somebody he thought had murdered his friends. He just couldn't turn him in, and that relationship that he oh. had with Sirius as a boy superseded. I mean, I think he, he
1: wanted to know. He wanted the questions. He wanted to be able to look at Sirius. I mean, like why, you know, try to get an honest answer out of him before, like, he was killed or, you know, they took him away or anything. He wanted to have that moment. Or I think, honestly, he wanted to be the one to catch him.
0: But he never sought it out. Or at least he never seemed no, he to No, we do not ever see down.
1: him. And I think he wanted to sit back and see what was going to happen for ill or for better.
0: Yeah. I think this is another extension of his... He's a little bit messed up. Sirius, he thinks, betrayed James and Lily to their death. He killed Peter Pettigrew and 13 other people. And... I don't know. I I think he just has a very specific weakness of character when it comes to the Marauders. And in this case, of course, Sirius. And whether or not he specifically wanted to find him and confront him, I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's something he was working towards. (laughs) Especially when he took the map from Harry during Prisoner of Azkaban, when he discovers that Harry has Marauders map and he basically accuses Harry, which is not a good killer on him, by the way. This is not a great, great moment for Remus either. He basically accuses Harry of spitting on his parents' sacrifice, which is not okay <laughs> to say to an orphan who is acting like a 13-year-old boy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whenever I think about that, it seems a little out of character to me for Remus mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. that he, he's guilting Harry with his parents' deaths. But he does. That probably says more about how he regards their deaths than how Harry should.
1: Typically, the adult interactions in Harry Potter reveal more about the adults than they do about the children.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah surprise yes and many times you're supposed to be paying attention because they're the bad guy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> not in this case i mean but i think it's an
1: important lesson to show that i mean the good guys aren't perfect yeah they're very flawed
0: yeah and she definitely uses the marauders to showcase that mm-hmm. somewhat dumbledore too especially in the last book but Not so much during his life, which is a little bit of a whiplash for everybody. Suddenly we're doubting Dumbledore after he's dead. It's
1: very true. He was this paragon. And then all of a sudden, boom. And we only get one book to really wrap our minds around this.
0: Yeah, but now we have five movies to wrap our minds around it. Mm -mm. Oh, yes. He then confiscated the Bronner's Map from Harry after laying on the guild trip. And he then started looking at it. We don't really know why, but we do know that he started kind of monitoring things. And it might have been, like you said, to seek out Sirius. But until that night that Sirius attacks Ron and they all go to this freaking shack, he doesn't seem to actually go to Sirius. And presumably, Sirius was on the map at least once or twice if Remus was you know, starting to monitor. Right, but monitor he didn't him. really
1: do anything until he saw Peter Pettigrew. Right.
0: He'd already started doubting by this point because Harry had told him that Peter Pettigrew's on the map, so he's mm-hmm. probably looking more for Pettigrew than Sirius. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be a man of intense action. Not that that's a bad thing, necessarily. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody should leap into situations, but he seems much more considering methodical. and methodical. And then... A little bit reactionary. When he did finally go after Sirius and Pettigrew.
1: I mean I think Remus is gonna sit back and make his plan. Or but at least sketch out. He never a plan. actually
0: follows through on plans. He yeah, eventually I, gets reactionary. It just always boggles
1: me that he actually is in Gryffindor. I'm sorry. To me he's so much more of a Ravenclaw. <laughs> he will eventually get to the brave part, but it's- <laughs> It, t- yeah. it takes it's him a instinct. bit to get there. And, you know, you think about Gryffindor's Brave is one of the first things and a foolhardy a bit, too. They tend to rush into things, you know, it does get, again,
0: foolhardy eventually.
1: But a lot of these things where, you know, you're expecting more of a Gryffindor sensibility of rushing in and figuring it out intuition wise. He's definitely going to sit back and he's going to kind of let all the pieces kind of come together A little bit. And then he's going to come in.
0: I feel like a lot of what you're attributing to him right now is just indecisiveness. Like I I attribute a lot of his hanging back and waiting and seeing what happens. And yes, I think he does all those things. But I think it's more out of uncertainty than out of like Mm. a calculating plan. Yeah, maybe. Based on how I read his character. I will say that... Another Gryffindor trait is chivalry, which we don't see a lot of in him either. Nope. Not bold. He's <laughs> see, that's why I'm saying.
1: I never really understood why he's in Gryffindor other
0: than the story narrative. Because he wouldn't have been friends with them if he was in Ravenclaw. Well, yes. That's why. <laughs> yes.
1: And I understand people can be in a house and not conform to the typical traits. Yes, I understand this. I'm just saying, mm, would he really not have made a better fit somewhere else? Of
0: course, that's true of Pettigrew, too. Well, that's, yes. It's
1: true of a lot of characters.
0: Yeah, but we might have an episode about that later. That would that would actually yeah. be really fun. Okay, back to his storyline. So he leaves Hogwarts, kind of goes, seems to go back to his lifestyle beforehand. Nothing really seemed significant seems to happen. Except until... that the war ramps up like a year later. Yes, when he rejoins the Order of the Phoenix. And that's actually where we're going to leave off for today. We had so much to talk about when it comes to Remus that we had to split it into two parts. So... Our next episode coming out will be part two of our evaluation of Remus Lupin.
1: And that's all for today. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to visit dwellingondreamspodcast.com to subscribe to the show. We'd also love to hear from you on social media.
0: And if you like what we're doing, you can show your support with a review or on our Patreon page. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode out in two weeks to hear more from a Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff dwelling on dreams.